There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Movement, breath, energy, and life. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Have you ever thought of what it might be like to be born into a family of yogis? On this humbling episode, we hear from the yoga prodigy himself, Jonah Kest. You may be familiar with the Kest family for their renowned power yoga prominence. Jonah's father, Johnny Kest, has been featured worldwide as Detroit's godfather of vinyasa. Jonah's uncle is the one and only Brian Kest, who has paved the way for power yoga here in Santa Monica and beyond. Today, we have the privilege of diving deep into the details of Jonah's path of discovery as a 21-year-old astute yoga teacher here in Venice, California. Listen close as he reveals the challenges he's been through along the way and how he has overcome them by incorporating other modalities of art into his practice of yoga. I think, you know, yoga is unlike other aspects and other sports because unlike other sports where you only get the, the point if you make the shot, yoga is the opposite. You get all the benefit just by experiencing a little bit of the pose. Drop in as Jonah Kest humbles our hearts with intentional desire as we learn how to take the path untraveled and raise the vibe higher on this empowering episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast with Jonah Kest. Namaste and welcome to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Today I am absolutely humbled and excited to be interviewing the one and only Jonah Kest. How are you feeling today, Jonah? I'm feeling good. Yeah? Early. Yeah. <laughs> Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Sure is. So I'd love to get started with where your yoga journey first began. Hmm. So, you know, I grew up in a yoga family. My dad's a yoga teacher and, you know, I think it first began even when I was a little kid, just bringing mindfulness before we went to bed at night, just by ending and closing the night with a small meditation and you know, a circle of gratitude. And I think that's been, I think that was kind of how my yoga path began, just, just doing those small mindfulness practices growing mm-hmm. up. Awesome. Yeah. So you say you grew up in a family of yogis. Um, your dad is Johnny Kest, mm-hmm. and um, your uncle is Brian Kest, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. I mean, you've got these two yogis who I feel would probably be like role models as you were growing up. Mm -hmm. How was that? You know, it was good. I, 
I don't think I really saw them as role models <laughs> until I got older. Yeah, probably saw them as your dad and your uncle, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, and I really, quite frankly, you know, it's weird to say this now, but growing up, I was always kind of like, not I wouldn't say embarrassed by yoga, but I always kind of pushed it away hmm. because my dad would always come into my, my classes growing up and he would teach, you know, my whole class yoga, you know, whether it was like in third grade or, you know, fifth grade. Wow. And I was always kind of like, I thought it was cool because he'd always do like handstands when he came in, you know, mm -hmm. and my friends thought it was cool. But there was like a very little part of me that wasn't, I was a little like embarrassed by it. And I never really fully embraced it until I got older. Ah. But now I'm super, you know, thankful and grateful to, you know, learning from them and having, you know, certain doors open for me. And I'm super dedicated to carrying on the legacy. Definitely, and, and you're you're the eldest of your brothers, right? Yep. Wow, and, and how many brothers do you have? I have two younger brothers, 17, Nathan, and Benji is 14, mm -hmm. and my, I have a younger sister, which Aww. is my uh, my sweetheart. She is um, eight now. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, so she's the little yogi. <laughs> being being the eldest of um, you know the the Jonah. <laughs> or the sorry the Kest family <laughs> um, do you feel that it brings a lot of pressure towards like holding a sense of standard and bringing yoga to the world or do you feel mm -hmm. like there's a sense of uh, kind of responsibility in carrying on that tradition yeah I I don't really see it as like a a chore like a responsibility I kind of see it as like an opportunity and mm -hmm. you know it's just it's really nice being able to lead by example for my younger brothers because they're kind of in they're kind of just like me I can see them and see how they're not into yoga you know like when Benji comes to yoga as soon as he hits the mat he turns into like a, a zombie you know <laughs> he'll fall asleep for the whole hour you know and it's just funny because I remember you know being super exhausted and my dad waking us up you know for the 945 Sunday class mm -hmm. that we would have to go to we had no choice and it just it brings me back to that I see it as a as a real opportunity and honor and I'm enjoying it so far. So when did that um, that change happen to the point where you saw it as kind of like a burden or something that you were embarrassed mm -hmm. about to the point where you saw it as an opportunity and something that you feel empowered by? Hmm. I think that I think the biggest switch for me happened. It was about my senior year in high school. I actually decided to. I was running cross country at the time, and originally I was doing it to um, get in shape for basketball, because that was my, my main sport. Mm -hmm. And after basketball, so it goes cross country basketball and then track mm -hmm. in the spring. And I decided to skip track and take teacher training with my dad. It was a 200 hour. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what led me up to that is I was, I did have a daily practice at that point, And I saw the benefits of it, especially in my basketball from a physical standpoint, just flexibility and less injury and even just staying calmer in the fourth quarter, you know, mm -hmm. just being able to come to my breath, you know, when the shot clock is running down. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that switch happened there. And as soon as, for some reason, the first day when I entered teacher training, from there on out, it was like everything else was a blur. Like I was just completely dedicated to it. It was all yoga from there. Wow. And I remember right after teacher training, I jumped right into my feedbacks, you know, the teachbacks. Mm -hmm. Then started just teaching and hosting community classes and just giving it away as much as I could. 
I would actually pay my friends to come to my class because no one would show up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. That's awesome. And now, I mean, you've got how many classes per week? Um, currently, I'm only teaching four classes. Oh. Um, I teach two classes in Santa Monica and they're for my uncle and they're donation based. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun to do that because you get all sorts of people that come through there. And it's just, it feels like really good karma yoga because mm -hmm. you're just giving it away. And um, I teach over in Venice Beach in two classes a week as well. So. Nice. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So as your practice has began to evolve, mm -hmm. um, would you say that your yoga has evolved as well as far as what you feel is most important in your practice on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm, that's a really good question. Yeah, and I even, I've kind of put like a little chart to that. I, I feel like when I first started to practice yoga, I had an ego-centered practice. And the way I would describe that is just, I was, it was all about the posture, about, you know, achieving my hollow back handstand. Or it was just, I was always kind of like comparing and, you know, it was kind of like a posture race. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like, you know, it took a while, but then I feel like I started to move more into a breath-centered practice where the ego was, you know, still kind of there. It was, but it was more about my breath. I just brought more attention to my breath mm -hmm. where I let my breath absorb all my distractions and, you know, cravings. And then lastly, my practice, you know, I would, I would call it a heart-centered practice where every posture every breath I try to generate as much loving kindness mm. as possible um, and compassion you know so every posture is a extension of my of my heart and I think that's the hot, the most advanced form of yoga I'm still you know working on it but I think a heart-centered practice is the most advanced and what does that mean for you when you say a heart-centered practice like could mm. you elaborate on that of course so? um, it's kind of similar to metta meditation mm. it's just really you know any good feelings that come up in your practice, whether they're just healing vibrations or just any any good feelings of that matter, it's just a matter of not even keeping them to yourself and just sending them out. So, you know, whether it's through your hands, whether it's, you know, to the person next to you or even beyond the four walls of the yoga room, just kind of sending that love out mm -hmm. and radiating it in all four directions. Awesome. That's the way. Yeah. So as you became more involved in a heart-centered practice. Mm. Do you feel that that helped to inspire your teachings as well? Yeah, I think it did just because I tried to, you know, as, as long as teaching a challenging, you know, physical class, I, I like to weave in, you know, healing stories and, you know, themes that, that essentially inspire people in, in their hearts, you know, so. I think it has just bringing more of a multi-dimensional aspect to the to the yoga class you know mm -hmm. not just physically but bring something mentally emotionally spiritually that's awesome mm -hmm. and as you continue to teach do you feel that your teaching style will also continue to evolve mm -hmm. you know i think it has it's just always evolving i don't think it's just you know just me i think yoga in general is just evolving you know, from Ashtanga, strict, strict Ashtanga, all the way to you, you see all these hip hop vinyasa classes. Mm -hmm. And I personally, you know, love to see it evolve. It's kind of like, if you're, are you familiar with Martha Graham? Yeah. She's kind of like known as the, you know, modern dance 
she took the classical strict rules of ballet and she evolved it into modern dance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where yoga is going. And for me, I personally, you know, just being true to myself, I love music. So that's a big part of my classes. Yeah. And, you know, strict Ashtanga, there's no music. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I think you that's... here. Yakum, inhale. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think that's one of the evolutions in, in yoga and specifically in the way I teach. I love to implement music. That's awesome. And yeah. what type of music do you implement? Is it, are you talking like hip hop, jazz? Yeah. What, what's your flow? Well, I, I personally love hip hop. So, you know... For me, I know with a lot of people, I recently had a musician come to my class, mm -hmm. and after class, they told me they just really didn't like the music. Oh. And I felt like, you know, everyone has their own, you know, subjective. But I feel like for him, since he's always, you know, producing music and always making music, that it was almost a distraction to him. Mm. Versus like, for me, when I listen to music, it helps me get in touch with my, my own internal bodily rhythms. Yeah. It helps me get into a rhythm. Mm. And... I think a rhythm is a big part of, you know, yoga practice. Ah, that's Just, a good analogy, I feel, in like finding that rhythm in the music and finding that rhythm in your flow. Yeah, and even, I think you're familiar with the book Mastery by Robert Greene, right? Yeah, He definitely. talks about, you know, people that cultivate mastery in any art, you can tell there's a rhythm there, whether it's, you know, even from you cooking pancakes, you have a, you've done it so many times, there's a rhythm, mm -hmm. you know, to a yoga practice. I think that's a sign of mastery. Definitely. I, I, I would agree highly in that as well. Um, so would you say that your practice right now, I mean, how old are you? I'm 21. And how long have you been practicing? Um, strictly, I would say, you know, for my senior, 17 years old. Wow. So, yeah, yeah a good amount of time Still got a long ways there. to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you still got a long ways to go. But um, how do you feel that you foresee yoga changing? because now we have like Instagram and we have you know people looking at the asana practice as the main source of inspiration and I feel like I don't know if you know this is also your perception but I feel like with Instagram being so widely distributed of uh, all these amazing postures a lot of people think that the postures are the pinnacle of yoga mm. yeah I kind of want to even move this back a little bit because that is the misconception that, you know, the postures are yoga. And I, I, I totally thought that as well, you know, but I think what changed my perspective is when I, when I sat my first 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat, mm. that really opened up a lot of doors for me. And when did that happen? I sat my first 10 day, it was kind of like the rite of passage um, when I was 18. It was like during the Christmas break, I came home from college and I sat, it was in Michigan, so it was snowing. Oh, and wow. we sat in a room, you know, for 10 days, basically, and meditated. And for those who are not familiar with Vipassana meditation, mm -hmm. what does that entail? Is it just like sitting in a room? Yeah, so it's a, it's a course led by, um, you know, it's the teach, it's the meditation of the Buddha. And you sit for 10 days, and it's roughly 10 hours a day or so, and you get a few meals. There's no dinner, just tea. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Basically, it entails the first three days, they just teach you breath meditation. So you just observe the breath. And then after, they, they teach you the Vipassana, which is sensation, mm. breath and sensation, just observing that. So if you were to take me through a little Vipassana, what, what is the things that they tell you as far as like sensation goes? What does that mean? Um, they teach you to essentially just observe your body, like almost like a body scan from your head to your feet, your feet to your head. 
just keep scanning the body and you know noticing sensation mm. so that that's where you're what you were saying is kind of like that practice of yoga how does that correlate to now the Instagram world and like you know people who are looking at the hollow back on their iPhone and saying oh that's yoga mm. well <laughs> well I think the meditation what it did was it kind of put me in this perspective where we're not necessarily using our bodies to get into the yoga postures but rather using the postures as tools to master the mind whereas every posture instead of you know getting in the perfect alignment or you know the perfect posture it becomes more of a opportunity to work on you know certain qualities of your mind like non-reactivity and you know your ability to relax in a difficult uncompromising posture mm -hmm. i think that you know is a huge metaphor for life and that sense and you're just your awareness and being present all mindfulness compassion all those qualities so nowadays with instagram being a huge platform for inspiration do you feel that your students are taking that inspiration and coming into class with new ideas of postures or how do you feel that it's affected your teaching hmm. instagram's a funny thing it's it's a first of all it's it's a great platform. I don't want to really say anything bad about it just because it's it's such a great way to meet people and, you know, connect with other yogis, especially the yoga community so strong. Mm -hmm. um, however, it does kind of bring this false image of what yoga is and, you know, people posting pictures of themselves like in the perfect, prettiest poses. It kind of gives the wrong idea and I think can discourage people, but also can be an inspiration. I guess it's just how you look at it. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I think Instagram is, I think Instagram is a tool, you know? So it just depends how you use it. It's kind of like a knife, you know? Mm -hmm. You can either heal somebody or kill somebody with it, so. Um, I really do see Instagram as a, a light because ultimately it's bringing yoga to more people. It's, it's spreading it more mm -hmm. quickly than anything else could. So that's the positive side to it. But I really think, you know, to answer your question previously, the future of yoga through Instagram. I really believe there's going to be more meditation and yin studios popping up. Ah, I really and, do. And I was just going to say, and as an example, I mean, I'm looking at your page nowadays and it's a lot less asana based and a lot more what I would call landscape in the sense like you're bringing people to places that maybe they haven't seen before. Yeah, I think, I think one of the reasons I'm moving away from posting more pictures and it's funny my uncle actually kind of inspired it because I remember when I first moved out here to LA I wanted him to advertise that I was teaching at his studio so he's like okay you know he was happy to support me and he's like send me a you know a picture of you and or, or a flyer and I'll post it on my Facebook page <laughs> so I sent him like a picture Santa Monica you know like a picture of me in a handstand or something with a shirt off and he sends it back to me and he goes, send me a picture with your shirt on and you not in a yoga pose. <laughs> and I'm like, why? And we kind of got into this debate about it. And he basically explained to me like what we just talked about, how he doesn't want to give off the wrong impression of what yoga is. But for me, um, through Instagram, photography has become a big passion of mine and nature and just landscape. So I've been trying to also incorporate that into my Instagram just to give it a, because there's only so many, you know, pictures you can do in a handstand you know mm -hmm. after it gets kind of old so I'm just trying to find new ways to stay creative ah. and with that being said do you feel that 
your process of creativity is now evolving into photography and yoga? Um, I would just say it's like a, almost like a side passion. It kind of evolved naturally through it, but that might be a good idea. I think you just gave me an idea. <laughs> we might have to do, a, on my retreat coming up, we might have to do a photography workshop where we do yoga and photography. That's actually a good idea. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. <laughs> I think that, you know, both of them, I mean, they're both arts, and they can definitely be a balance to the two, you know, mm -hmm. in the sense that it's beautiful to be able to get the epic yoga shot, but it's also gorgeous to be able to find that yogic piece in the landscape that you're in, you know? Yeah, it's fun to match the, the landscape because it kind of has like certain landscapes or certain architectural buildings have certain shapes mm -hmm. so to kind of, you know, um, match that with a posture, or even um, make it better with the posture to align with it. Yeah, enhancing. Enhance it, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Currently, in, in your practice, do you find that your body is changing and that, you know, I'm not sure exactly how many years you've been practicing per se, but do you feel that as your body changes, you're finding different postures to be able to help heal and help bring strength in different areas? Hmm, I mean, lately I've actually been undergoing some injuries and it's kind of forced me to back off and be more gentle. I wouldn't say there's certain postures that are healing me in certain ways. I think it's just more of a, a well-rounded practice, but just doing it more gently. Hmm. Because I've really had to back off from my handstands and I've, all, I've felt a strength plateau in my practice because I have an injury in my chest and my elbow. So it kind of has plateaued my, my strength, which is was frustrating at first, but it just kind of gave me an opportunity to focus on more of my meditation and just being gentler. Mm. So talk a little bit more about that for our listeners who perhaps have had injuries. What are some of the practices that you do to help bring, bring away that, that idea of like having to do better or having to get stronger? Because I feel that injuries are really like not only a setback, but also mm -hmm. a learning process, right? Mm. It's very much so a learning process. Um, the best way to explain it is kind of like just to imagine as if every time you go to a yoga class, you're in training. And you don't necessarily know what you're in training for, but when that situation arises, you will be ready to face it. So when I go into my practice, I almost just think as if, as if I'm training my mind, you know? I'm sharpening my mind, developing my faculty of concentration, my, my ability to focus for long periods of time. And I think when you go in with that perspective, you know, you're less worried about, you know, the perfect posture. Because I see so many people, you know, they come to, they don't even come to yoga. They won't even try it because they don't think they're strong enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this. Yeah, They don't totally. think they're flexible enough, but they miss, you know, their breath. They miss their sensuality. They miss, you know, the, the focus. They miss all that. And I really think anyone can, if they put enough time in it, could be an acrobat in yoga. Mm -hmm. But it's very important not to miss the opportunity to sharpen your mind. For the listeners who are listening who perhaps maybe have not even been to a yoga class, a public class, because they have a fear of uh, being in a place where you know they may not have the strength or they may not have that 
physical awareness that they feel is needed to be in a public class. Mm -hmm. What are some of the words of motivation that you would give them? I always say in class, I, you know, I learned this from my dad. He always says the, the more inflexible you are, you actually have the advantage. And it sounds kind of funny because people, you know, think you need to be flexible to come to yoga, but no, the tighter and tenser you are, you actually have the greater advantage. And the reason is, is because you're able to find an edge much quicker. Hmm. You're able to feel something much sooner than, you know, perhaps the loosey goosey person next to you. And that it, right there, finding the edge is, is I think one of the biggest thing, teachings of yoga is finding an edge and learning how to relax and breathe around it. Uh -huh. And when you're inflexible, you have the opportunity much quicker than the gumpies. <laughs> so, um, and the edge, if you really ask any professional athlete, I mean, you've interviewed so many people, if you ask any creative or artist, they'll tell you any real self-transformation, any real change happens right at the edge. Where any more would be too much or any less would leave you bored. You want to find that sweet spot. Definitely. That's a really good one. Um, in finding that sweet spot, what would you say are three tips that you can give our listeners in really pushing their practice to the edge? Three tips. Hmm. <laughs> Let's see here. The first tip I would, I would really just go back to, you know, when you first practice yoga, just making it a breathing class, you know, just giving your breath the most important, the utmost importance, because I think everything else kind of comes around that. And then just simply, you know, trying the postures. I think, you know, yoga is unlike other aspects and other sports because unlike other sports where you only get the, the point if you make the shot, yoga is the opposite. You get all the benefit just by experiencing a little bit of the pose. If you just flirt with the poster, postures, you get all the benefit. So I think the, the first tip I would give is, you know, just go into it and, and flirt with the postures. You don't have to go all the way. <laughs> you know, just experience a little bit of the pose. So how has the, the practice of all eight limbs of yoga actually affected your life? In the biggest way, my diet. Yeah. And it kind of goes from earlier how I was describing the, how my practice has evolved. My diet has kind of been the same thing. You know, I first started with an ego-centered diet, and that's where I was eating based upon my cravings and addictions. Okay. You know, I was eating based on my, if I wanted a donut, I would go eat a donut, you know, because I would just eat because I wanted sugar. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like after my ego-centered diet, I started to move into a health-centered diet, whereas I was just eating for my optimal health, you know, whether it was bulletproof coffee or if it was... You know, even if it was unfortunately meat or seafood, I was just, I thought it was giving me protein. I thought it was fueling me. So I was, I moved from a ego-centered diet to a health-centered diet. And I feel like what I'm moving into now is a heart-centered diet. And that's where I'm eating, where everything on my plate has had little suffering as possible and compassion. And why so? What do you feel is the connection between, um, you know, eating a grass-fed beef steak versus eating a, you know, awesome kale salad? Like, what's the difference there? Um, I think it's pretty clear once you, once you try it for yourself, but I think the, the vibrations of one who eat a vegan diet are much lighter and clearer 
and healthier. And for me, I think diet, I don't necessarily know if vegan is the right word, but I think diet in general is one of the biggest doorways to spirituality. Roughly because you are what you eat, you know? What you eat is what you become. So if you eat meat, you know, usually the way meat is made is it's, you know, has fear in it. It's low vibration. So you be, you, when you ingest that, it becomes you. Yeah. So I, I just feel from, you know, experience eating vegan because I've had both. You know, my, my uncle's a carnivore and my dad's a vegan. And just from experience, I feel much lighter and clearer happier on a vegan diet plant-based diet it's really beautiful to hear yeah um i was gonna ask you i i feel like um in watching your growth and your progress uh you know i came from when you first when we first met each other mm. on the green you know long <laughs> right, yoga works oh you're right it was at yoga works <laughs> right you're right i'll never I think forget. the second time i saw you was at the green yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but um yeah T tell a little bit about that story when we first met oh gosh that was funny I think it was, it might have been after class. Mm -hmm. I kind of like, I was, I think I like, we, we were like connected on Instagram or something, but like we didn't really have a direct communication. Mm -hmm. And when I saw you, you just had like a smile on your face and we kind of like, you're like, I'm going next door to Revolution. Yeah, I'm gonna have to a Revolution. I'm going to yeah. have a vegan cinnamon roll. You want to join? Was it, was it, um, I think it was, was it uh, Irene? No, it was, um, Honestly, I can't remember. It was some yogi. <laughs> yeah, there was someone else with us, though. I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was. I, th I thought it might have been... Um... It wasn't Irene and Daniel Scott. No, that was uh, a while before that. But yeah. Sorry, regardless of which, I, I remember vividly we had gone to class, and it was an awesome class. I think it may have been Krista's class, right? Yeah. yeah, Krista Cahill. Krista Cahill. Yeah, who I really enjoy her classes. She's a sweetheart. And um, afterwards, yeah, we went to Revolution because yeah. you, you weren't from that area. And oh, I was it like, was my first day. Let's yeah. go to Revolution. <laughs> I literally met you. It was like the first week. You were pretty much my first friend in LA. <laughs> and, you know, you just, you were like, I'm going to, they have the most amazing vegan cinnamon roll. And I'm like, oh gosh, this guy knows what's up. <laughs> I was, you know, I was hungry after class. So we walked over and um, after we had the cinnamon roll, you showed me your house. We walked over to your house. And I didn't really know you too well, and I asked you, I'll never forget this, I was like, so, you know, what do you do around here? <laughs> and you're just like, I'm starting a yoga podcast. <laughs> no, I had already started it. Or you it started then, it, yeah. but this was about like, you know, almost two years, or a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. and you were like, I'm doing this yoga podcast, and I was like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. And then just from then until now to see where the yoga podcast has gone has been like incredible. I mean, just from, you know, seeing you even as an interviewer and just all the people and intelligent people you've interviewed it's been just really cool to watch yeah thank yeah. you I, mm -hmm. I really appreciate it and yeah. i feel like you know it was only a few weeks later that i interviewed your dad johnny mm -hmm. and it was such an amazing interview and it really kind of has come full circle you know and, mm -hmm. and watching your growth and your progress here in los angeles and now we're roommates you live at my house with a chip set and it's really <laughs> beautiful to be able to wake up and just kind of have that yogic atmosphere and i feel that the more that we create that yoga atmosphere the more that we're actually connecting the world we're bringing forth more consciousness not only mm -hmm. into our own lives but also into the lives that we affect mm -hmm. so it's really beautiful to witness how 
just time, it allows us to be able to really connect with the people who are bringing forth that true knowledge into the world. Mm. And I feel that you're one of those people. And so it Thank really you. is an honor to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, it's really and, an honor to be here. And, and not only that, but to also share your story, to share more about who you are and, and why you do what you do. So I, I really want to tap into why you feel yoga to be your path why you feel it is it's your heart and and why you feel it's important to share it i i feel like sharing it is 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 really all i know i mean it's really the only thing i would say i'm good at <laughs> i mean it's it's as soon as i took teacher training as soon as i got you know the basic you know sun a's and sun b's it kind of just started spewing out of me because mm-hmm. hearing you know going to thousands and thousands of my dad's classes growing up, it, it felt like all the themes, all the stories, all the whatever you want to call it just started spewing out of me. And it was almost like effortless, kind of. I feel like I'm always, you know, reading and learning from new teachers. And, but just in, in the initial, I just, felt the, I just felt it all like coming out and it felt so natural. But I, the reason I, I'm, I'm sharing it is ultimately to, because I know how many people it's helped. I know it's helped me. And I just want to help other people. And if I can do that, then I'm, I'm fulfilled. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like to bring our podcast listeners to a space where they can actually have three golden nuggets from our awesome interviewees like yourself. So could you give our podcast listeners three golden nuggets that will help them on their yoga path? Yes. Um, the first one would be be true to yourself, even if that means disappointing somebody else, even if that means disappointing everybody around you. The second one, um, I would say, which I have learned kind of just li- not learned, but like it's been nice living you know, with you because you have such a strong community is really just surrounding yourself amongst good people and creating community. I think that's huge in having a support system for your own growth. Um, so just surrounding yourself amongst good people because ultimately you are the company that you keep. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one I would say is um, just to develop a, a daily practice, a daily, whether it's a, you know five minutes of meditation before you go to bed or you know, five minutes when you wake up in the morning. It's my teacher's teacher always said, continuity of practice is the secret to success. And just having a daily, even if, it, if it's not yoga or meditation, just something you do every day, that's mindful. Mm-hmm. I would say that's probably my biggest tip. Yeah. And for our listeners who may be beginning their yoga practice for the first time, um, what would you say is one of the most potent things that they can do on a daily basis to help advance their practice? Meditation, really. Just, I mean, that's really the most advanced form of yoga. And I think even if you're new, just being able to sit and observe and just be with yourself, you know, with no distractions, it's, it's so hard for some people just to like close their eyes and not have their phone on them or not read a book or not do something just to be 
So I would say, you know, even if it's if you're a business person or you're for a college student, just just imagine the difference you would have if you just sat and closed your eyes for just a few minutes before your your next test or your 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 next phone business phone call. Mm-hmm. So for even for a new student, it would be just to close your eyes and observe your breath and bodily sensations. Mm-hmm. That's like the most simplest it can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, meditation too. I just I, I heard this the other day and it really resonated with me. But meditation is a very very special type of mirror, and it allows you to see things as they are. It kind of takes all the distortion out, and it allows you to see things as they are, not as they want to be, not as you even think they should be, but just as they are. And I think that's really important because we all have, you know, lenses on our on our eyes that we see things from a certain based on our beliefs. But meditation helps dissolve that, mm-hmm. and you see things more clearly. Definitely, the truest reality. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Jonah. Mm. I really appreciate not only you showing up in a very true way, mm. but also you bringing forth your path and being truly dedicated to the path of yoga. It's beautiful to witness someone of your age, like really dedicated to the practice. Mm. And I thank you for that. And the Yoga Revealed listeners are thankful as well. <laughs> thank Blessings. you so much, Andrew. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. You can learn more about Jonah Kest and his upcoming retreats and trainings at his site, jonahkestyoga.com. Also, make sure to check out his Instagram, Kest Yoga, for daily inspiration and amazing photography. Yoga Revealers, we truly appreciate your support. Share this episode with a friend and leave us a five-star review if you truly appreciate the work that we do. Every five-star rating helps us bring this podcast to more yogis just like you. Until next time, yogis, live light, shine bright. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 